Hey, everybody, this is Christian Brindle, president and founder of Christian Brindle Insurance Services, an agency specializing in Medicare health plans, as well as the founder and admin of the Six Figure Medicare Agent Facebook community. And I am Glenn Shelton, founder and president of Lead Heroes, where we specialize in final expense and Medicare insurance leads. Every single Tuesday, guys, we have decided to come together and bring our forces together to talk about our two favorite subjects in the world, insurance and tacos. Henceforth, Taco Tuesday, let's taco about insurance. Every single Tuesday, we will live stream this show for the group Six Figure Medicare Agent at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't miss it. It can also be found everywhere that podcasts can be listened to, or you could watch the replay of the video up on our YouTube channel for the Six Figure Medicare Agent YouTube channel. Thanks so much for watching. Hope you enjoy, and let's get into this. All right, I think we are live. Welcome. Welcome, everybody, to Taco Tuesday. And Glenn is, Glenn is um, representing with merch. We're going to have this available um, first we of do. January. We need, that's, I wish this was our shirt. I, we, need, we need a merch shot. We really do. We totally do. Like, it's just, it's, it's, at this point, it's just beyond ridiculous. Um, everybody, thank you so much for being here. Um, I don't think we've done a Taco Tuesday yet where Glenn didn't have some kind of Mexican food, whether it was tacos or not. And I don't have any tacos today, so shame on me. Um, I just really need to get with the times and get some tacos. And um, that looks fantastic, by the way. What is in that? It's just a bean and cheese burrito, but you can't go wrong. You know, it's just a classic yeah. bean and cheese. I look at that almost like a quesadilla. Like you can't mess up a quesadilla. You know? Okay. Guys, uh, today we're going to be doing kind of a different format for Taco Tuesday, and it's something that, you know, I thought would be a lot of fun, super interesting. Um, a lot of you guys that have been, you know, maybe pioneers of the different Facebook groups over the years, you know, you probably have seen Glenn over the years in different groups, and maybe you're in Glenn's group, actually. Um, and, you know, maybe, you know, you just... I've seen Glenn participate in a lot of different things, um, you know, whether it be you've been stalking me. Yeah, maybe you've been outside of his house. <laughs> and maybe maybe you just can't get enough Glenn. And uh, and um, but 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 yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm you know, Glenn's been around the, the, the threads and the Facebook group just dropping, you know, killer information marketing tips, um, calling tips. And, and, you know, Glenn has built an amazing company with lead heroes. Like I saw you post a comment the other day that said you guys had like over a hundred callers in AEP alone. Wasn't that something that right? Yeah. So we, you know, again, this all started with just one caller, right? I hired one telemarketer for myself personally. Like that's how the whole thing started. But as of this AEP, we grew to our largest size ever. And we had over a hundred callers on payroll, which since AP, since we're kind of, you know, slowing down, going to the holidays, we don't have quite that many on payroll now, but yeah. it was crazy just to think how many people were, where we were working with. I mean, it was, it's awesome. You know, it helps us, helps us affect more in a positive way. I mean, that's how I always viewed it is, 
you know, the more people that, that we can support in the Philippines, you know, we get to support them and their families. They get to help the Medicare beneficiaries. Medicare beneficiaries have no idea what to do, right? They're confused. And then the insurance agents get compensated for helping the Medicare beneficiaries. And then these Filipinos get compensated by me. And so I just look at, it's like a win-win-win. That's really how I, how I look at the whole situation. Yeah. I mean, when I saw you post that, you know, I, I really thought I'm like, that's amazing. You know, I don't know too many companies in our space, you know, with people that we're in contact with that have a hundred people on payroll, you know, I mean, it's at, for at good reason, for, yeah. for good reason, <laughs> um, a lot of overhead to say the least. I, I, I can only imagine it's just absolutely mind boggling to me. And um, it got me thinking and I was like, we really need to do an in-depth dive on your story and, you know, kind of how Lead Heroes began and kind of just the whole background behind it. Um, so I, I think a good place to kind of start out with is what got Glenn interested in getting into the insurance industry? What was it? Was, was, there, was there somebody that you knew that got you into? Take, take us back to the very yeah. beginning because you started as an agent. I don't think yep. a lot of people know that. Um, what got you started as an agent first and foremost in the industry? So it started... Um... We'll go back even like a little bit before insurance. So I got into Oregon State, um, which I was really excited about. So, you know, go Beavers. Um, so I moved to Oregon. I'm going to Oregon State. And pretty quickly, I realized that as much as I'd like to kind of continue going to school, you know, I- I'm already married at this point. I already have a kid at this point. You know, going to school doesn't pay the bills, right? <laughs> like, right. I wish it did, but it doesn't. I'm all about education, right? I mean, I'm, I'm the last person that you'll ever hear that talks bad about education, but the bottom line is there's no guarantee with a degree that you'll even make any money. So um, I kind of pivoted after one semester at, at OSU, Oregon State, and I drop out and I end up at Verizon Wireless as a sales rep. And I, I had a sales background at this point. So, you know, I, I, I have been in sales since I was like 18 years old, 16 years, I've, I've been selling stuff forever. So, uh, but I get into Verizon and I, and I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a younger guy. I like technology. I like phones. I like computers, tablets. Um, their compensation was, was great. Uh, I would how, say. How, how, how old are you at this point? Sorry to interrupt. How yeah. old are you at this point when you start with Verizon? I was probably 20. 20 I think I was 21 I think I was 21 years old wow when I started at Verizon so I'm 21 I'm working at Verizon I do that for about a full two years and it's going well I mean I'm I'm in the top 10 percent in the company so out of all you know there's thousands of sales reps all across the U.S. I'm in the top 10 percent I'm being compensated pretty well the benefits are incredible um, but like the biggest problem is I have no dictation over my own schedule, right? I'm, I'm a slave to them. I'm a slave to the retail hours. Um, because I'm one of the better sales rep, they're asking me to come in like on my days off, you know, I have a wife and a child. And so it's like, I'm not seeing, I'd go like three days in a row sometimes without seeing my kid. Right. And I hated that. And then the part that was really the straw that broke the camel's back in the whole situation was that Verizon, and, and hopefully they've changed this since then, but 
at the time they had a capped commission structure. And so, you know, you get to a certain point and they slow down how much commission you can make. They de-accelerate you. And so you, you notice, so again, being in the top 10% and I'm talking to these other sales reps who are at the top of the company, the, the reps that are even better than me. And they would basically work really hard for two and a half, three weeks. And then they would basically stop working and just kind of goof off for the rest of the month. And, and like, yeah, on one hand, I get that, right? Like you maxed out your structure and, and you've already got all of the compensation. So you like, you know, you don't really have to do much the rest of the month, but I would rather work hard the whole month and make as much money as possible. Like it, it, like there was just such a disconnect for me. I love the people. I love the job. I got paid really well, but that was the, the final thing. I just, I couldn't make that make sense. You know, I, they offered me a management position in the company, you know, Hey, become an assistant manager at this location for a year. Then you could be a store manager and then you could switch into the business vertical if you wanted, or you could, you know, jump into a regional manager position in five years and blah, 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 blah. You know, they gave me the whole spiel, but I'm just like, it doesn't make sense. I'm like this capped commission structure. I can't do it. Like it doesn't, you know, I, I don't know. Could you imagine if insurance was like that? You know, if it was capped? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. They're like, all right, you've made um, 25 sales this week, um, but you're done. You make any more on your you're, you're, it doesn't matter. You know, we appreciate it if you make more, but you're not, we're not going to pay you anymore. That's for, I can't even imagine a world like that. Imagine this is how the structure, just to, again, to really kind of beat a dead horse here. So imagine you're selling a med sub and you get to 30 med subs on the month and they say, Hey, we're going to deaccelerate you from 20%, your normal commission and any med subs you sell for the rest of the month, we're only going to pay you 7%. But then at the first of the month, next month, you're going to go back to 20%. Like it's just, you know, like, just, just listen to that. Like, it doesn't make, why would you take your best salespeople and demotivate them to sell? Like Verizon, if you're hearing this, please <laughs> save yourself. Oh my gosh. It's interesting too, because, you know, a company of that size, you think that they would value sales. You know, they think that they would value sales and you think they would value salespeople that can bring a lot of revenue into their store and into their company. But that's just very interesting to kind of see that. I think, I think if I had to kind of play devil's advocate for Verizon, I think they valued their brand and their marketing so much that they felt there's going to be a certain amount of business that walks through those doors whether they pay those salespeople really, really well or mediocre. So, you know, again, they're, they're beholden to the shareholders. They're trying to maximize profits. And so that's, I'm sure that's how this whole crazy commission structure came about. But at the end of the day, I can't imagine taking the best salespeople in my company and saying, Hey guys, we're capping you after you hit, you know, a certain number. Like it's, it's just mind boggling to me. Yeah, that, that's a tough sell in and of itself right there to convince someone like that, a talented salesperson. So so you're at Verizon. How long are you working at Verizon? How long did you end up there? So I was, it was about two years. Okay. It was about so, two years. So I was, I was somewhere between like, you know, I was about 21 when I got in and then it was somewhere around like 22 to 23. It was like right around that two year mark where I kind of had these two paths I'm looking at. I'm 
I'm looking at management. I'm being offered an assistant manager job. Um, and then I'm, I'm thinking, you know, how can I get into a sales position that has on capped commissions? Right. And, and I'm looking at uh, the first thing I, I, I actually did an interview with Waddell and Reed uh, to become a financial advisor. So that was, that was really the first thing that took me down the insurance road is I'm sitting in a Waddell and Reed office and I'm, I'm being interviewed talking about the job and what it entails. And, and the lady that's interviewing, she's like, well, there's, there's really like two things, you know, they're like, we offer insurance products, which that can sometimes be easier to sell because it's more of a, a tangible, um, you know, a tangible policy that you're offering someone. But then we also do this financial management and that's where you make a lot of money, but it takes like 20, you know, you have to talk to people a bunch. And, you know, I think she was being really realistic. She was, she was trying to give me a good snapshot of what it was. And, and in that interview, I was like, huh, I'm like, it sounds like insurance is easier to sell than trying to convince someone, you know, hey, let me manage your half a million dollars. And keep in mind, I'm 22 years old, 23 years <laughs> old. And I'm just like, nobody wants to give me a half a million dollars to have me manage it. You know, I, that, that was my thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%. And I, like, for me personally, I, I got in and I really started to hit my stride in selling Medicare around that age too, you know, around 21, 22. And like, it wasn't at that point, you know, I looked like I was 16 and it was intimidating enough for me to try to sell them a $0 premium Medicare Advantage plan in some cases where it didn't cost me anything. I can only imagine, you know, being put in a situation like that where you're like, Hey, you know, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 21 years old. I just got my, you know, I can now finally legally drink, but hand over, you know, hundred thousand dollars to me or something like that. I can only imagine that. Um, so you, you interview, you interview with them. And so did you take, and so did you end up taking a job with them to sell insurance? Is that how it began? So then Waddell and Reed said, Hey, we like you, but we want to do another interview with you. And so they have like a three interview product, something ridiculous. And I just said, I, I declined it because that sent me spiraling down the insurance. I was like, okay, I was like, I like this. It's on cap commissions. I don't really want to be a financial advisor right now. Maybe later. I like insurance. So then I started researching everything insurance related because I, I had this feeling that I wanted to go into insurance. I knew it was on cap commissions. I knew it was a little easier to sell than maybe some of these other things like real estate, um, you know, all these, obviously there's so many different sales positions you could, you could think of that could potentially be on cap commissions, but I'm looking at life insurance, home insurance, auto insurance. I mean, literally any vertical commercial insurance. I, I kind of was exploring all of these different verticals and I wanted to find something that was the lowest barrier to entry. That was, that was really my goal is how can I find something that's relatively easy that I could jump into, I can make good money and, and, you know, work for myself without um, kind of that financial advisor startup period, right? Because again, their pitch to me was like, you can make a ton of money, but it's going to take years. You have to build your clientele and all that stuff. And I wanted to be able to jump in and, and start making on-capped commissions right away. That, that was really my goal. Yeah. So, so you, you, you come back for the second interview 
was there oh, i declined a, I declined the second i said oh, you I'm declined not, the second interview yeah. okay okay sorry i mean, i missed that part so you declined the second interview what happens from there because that that obviously piques your interest right? right um to get into the insurance industry what happens from there is there another place that you go and start working at or yeah how does that so so then as, as I'm doing my research, I find a job listing on Craigslist for, uh, for mortgage protection life insurance. So it's, it's in Portland. So it's in Portland, Oregon. I'm living kind of, again, closer to Salem because of Oregon State. That's the whole reason I moved to Oregon. Um, but I'm like, I'm like, you know what? It seems like life insurance, like there's a lot of money in this. It's pretty easy. You know, you sit down with someone, you quote them on amount, they qualify, they get it, it's done. Um, and the, the reason that this is what hooked me is they advertised a salary for starting agents at this agency. And that's when I was like, this is it. I'm like guaranteed money. I can learn my career, get into the industry, and then branch out from there, you know, I yeah. selling, selling mortgage protection, life insurance. Do you remember what the starting salary they were offering was? Oh, a hundred percent. I do hundred <laughs> percent. I know exactly what that was. <laughs> it was $2,000 a month. Um, it wasn't, yeah, it was $2,000 a month. Um, plus commission. It wasn't a draw. Uh, it was a legitimate, and, and again, for people who are, if you're watching this, or listening to this, and you don't know what, what a draw is, there's a lot of insurance agencies or insurance jobs where they will essentially front you cash, but then you have to pay that money back out of your commission. Mm. Um, so, you know, hey, here's, we're going to give you a draw of $3,000 a month, but you know, if you sell 10,000 in commission, we're keeping the 3000 and then you're only actually taking home seven. So it wasn't a draw. It was a legit salary, but then they were taking lead money out of uh, either your commission check or your salary at the end of the month, which at the time when I'm getting into this, I'm thinking, this is insane. I'm like, they're expecting me to pay hundreds of dollars in leads every single week. I'm like, how am I supposed to make any money? Yeah. I'm going to be chunking out a thousand dollars or $2,000 at the end of the month. I'm like, and, and my wife, when I explained all this to her, she was super skeptical. She's like, she's like, it sounds kind of like a scam or, or a pyramid scheme. Like they're going to give you a salary, but then you have to basically pay the salary back into leads and then your commission, like you're not going to get paid that for a while because the policy has to go through underwriting and get issued and, and I'm LOA. So I'm not, well, actually that's not true. I wasn't LOA. I'm, I'm, I'm under a hierarchy. Uh, but, but again, there was still this, this whole process, but what ended up happening is during the interview, they say, listen, we could pay you a salary but we think you're better off as a 1099 agent where you get straight commission. So at this point, I quit my job at Verizon. Um, I'm expecting to get a salary with this company because they already hired me. And then yeah. I'm, I'm a week into my new job and they're basically telling me, don't take the salary, Glenn, just take the 1099 and, and just start selling. And I'm, and I, oh, here's the other thing I forgot to mention too is, I took one of the reps with me from Verizon. So me and my buddy 
jumped head first. You know, we, we left our sale, our comfy sales job. We're making a ton of money. We go head first into this, no salary, no benefits. We have no idea what insurance is. We don't know about leads. We don't know anything. We were so green. It was the greenest you could possibly be. It's insane to think about. So, so how, how big is your family at this point? It's just, I just have one child at this point. It's just me, okay. my wife and one child. Now, even still though, you know, I mean, me having a child now, I can only imagine the the stress and the pressure that would be put onto you in that situation, going from a great sales job where you're making all this money, you're accustomed to making all this money to straight commission, straight 1099. Talk me through that a little bit. How was that process? What was that adjustment like? Was it kind of like a, you know, cold shower right up front? Well, yeah. Well, the funny part is like, if you see any posts anywhere or, or people talking about getting into insurance, there's like this rule of thumb that you'll see people talk about where it's like, have three to six months of, of, you know, income saved up when you get into the industry. So you can take your time. I had maybe like a 20 or 30 day ramp. Like I had like maybe a month's worth of income to the point where I had to start bringing money in. So um, yeah, I mean, it was extremely stressful, right? Extremely stressful. I mean, I didn't have a bunch of bills at this point in my life, but you're you're still talking about, you know, food, rent, like the basic necessities, car payment, you know, it, and yeah, I mean, just sink or swim is was absolutely the mindset. It was like, I'm either going to crash and burn so hard and part of me was like, I could go back to Verizon if I failed, but I really, in my mind, tried to burn those boats. I really did. It was like, I am going to make this work. I'm going to figure this out. Whatever I have to do, you know, I'm moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when, when you start off as 1099, were they providing you office space or were you working out of your house at the time? Talk me through that a second for a little bit. What, this, what did, yeah. what did um, it all look like? So the agency setup, um, and if anyone's, I, I don't, I don't think I need to name the agency, but um, NAA, everyone's familiar with NAA, National Agents Alliance. There's a million companies just like NAA, and this was one of them that I happened to sign up with. And the way the the schedule essentially worked for the week is Monday, I go into the office, I have my own desk, and it's a calling day. So all day Monday we're sitting in the agency and we're all calling on leads and we're all setting appointments for the week. You know, there's like me and maybe seven or eight other agents. There's the agency manager and, you know, you're getting some coaching from the manager. He's wanting to make sure that, you know, your schedule's full. Um, but I mean, that was about it. There, there wasn't a ton of support. I mean, there was, there was some training, you know, they're, they're providing you an avenue for leads through them um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's essentially it, man. So, um, we're, and, and were you doing mainly just final expense at this point or was it final expense medic and Medicare? Was it just life? What, what were you selling? Right. So up the interesting part is this agency had three different options. When you come in as an agent, they said, you can sell Medicare, you can sell final expense, or you can sell mortgage protection. 
So I come into this agency and I'm like, this is super cool. And I'm, I'm coming in with the mindset that I want to be diversified. I'm like, I want to sell Medicare. I want to sell every, like, I want to sell all everything that you guys are selling. I want to sell. And the, the agency owner or the, the manager of the agency, he's like, he's like, there's no money in Medicare. There's no money in Medicare. <laughs> we don't sell Medicare in this office. We don't sell no. Medicare in this office. It's, it's a waste of time. Why would you go and make a $300 sale when you could sell mortgage protection, life insurance, and you could make $2,000 in one appointment, Glenn? It doesn't make any sense. No. Medicare. Oh. I wish I could go back, dude. I wish I could like slip back in time and be like, don't listen to him. He's a liar. <laughs> He's not telling yeah. the truth. I'd be on a boat somewhere in the Bahamas. <laughs> so, so you so you're a new agent right you're yeah. you're kind of learning the ropes i'm sure that you believed him 100 percent hook line and sinker i had no reason not to believe him i'm thinking you know from a credibility standpoint he's telling me he's been in the industry for years and years and years he's managing the office you know he's driving around his his audi right like He's, he's got the whole, you know, the look of success. I think his actual yeah. success was very much so argue, more of an argument that could be made whether he was actually successful or not. But yeah, yeah I mean, so I said, okay, you know, okay, boss. No, I'm not that's, selling that's Medicare. There's no money in Medicare. I guess I'm selling mortgage protection life insurance because that's how you get rich, I guess, right? So, so they, so you start selling mortgage protection, were they having you sell mortgage protection and final expense at the same time? Or was it, they just really wanted you to pick one? Is that, was that kind of the model? So hindsight being 2020, right? So looking back 2020 being this year, um, hindsight though, is the way the manager's compensation worked is he's taking a middle margin on my sales, right? Just like any hierarchy, right? Obviously, I had no idea how any of this worked at the time. But the reason he's wanting me to sell mortgage protection and not final expense and not Medicare is because he's going to make the most money on mortgage protection if I sell that. Of course. And so that's that's what the that's why he ran the agency the way he did. If I'm selling Medicare, his override I think was almost non-existent. So um, yeah, so direct mail leads. And mortgage protection, life insurance was like, that was exclusively my first year in the industry. Okay. Okay. So first year in, and you're selling, you're selling a lot of that. Um, how does the first year go? Um, it starts. So it starts with, uh, you know, I, I'm talking to the manager and I'm like, listen, I don't have the money to drop on leads that you want me to right now. He's like, that's fine. You know, and he takes a huge stack of, of mail and he's just like, here you go. <laughs> and he gives me all the old leads. Right. And so I'm, like, I'm like, all right, let's do this. And, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm a bit of a, like a chameleon. Like I'm, I can kind of blend in, you know, I'm, I'm a very adaptable person by nature. And so I'm in this yeah. office, I'm listening to all these agents around me, make phone calls. I'm staying late. I'm showing up early. I'm making phone calls on the weekends. Um, and I really hit my first home run setting appointments on a Saturday. I have a stack of old leads Saturday morning. I'm at home dialing. 
I set like 10 appointments for the next week. And that was kind of really what propelled me. So it, it, it kind of, it took about a month before I really got traction. I had very little training. I really had to teach myself most of what I did besides kind of shadowing a couple of other agents. And then it, and then it starts off really well. Um, and then I get some chargebacks and then that really hurts me. And then I realize I have to sell even more to get out of the hole. Um, but then I kind of developed by the end of this first year, because the average age, I don't know if this has changed or not, but at the time, the average age for a mortgage protection mailer, it was about 55. Uh, you know, this was after the 2008 crisis at this point. A lot of these leads were from people refinancing their home, people refinancing are older people, they're trying to free up cash flow. And so you sit down with these people and they're between 50 and 60. And they're trying to get a $200,000 life policy and they are on high blood pressure medication. Maybe they're diabetic. Maybe they had a heart attack. And I just have to tell them, I'm like, Mr. Jones, there's no way you're going to qualify for a $200,000 policy. But I have what's called, I'm trying to remember what I called it. I had some name for it. Um, I said, I, can, I can't cover your whole house, Mr. Jones, but I can cover, uh, uh, you know, I, I would do the math, right? So if let's, let's say they, let's say their annual mortgage payment was 10,000 or, or 12,000, right? Oh, critically closing. That's what they, they called it critically closing at the agency. But I would, I would map it on. I would say, okay, you know, I'd say, you know, here's your options, Mr. Jones. You know, option one is covering your mortgage for a year, which is a $10,000 final expense policy that I could, I knew he could qualify for, right? Option two, I'm covering your mortgage for two years. Option three, I'm covering your mortgage for three years. You know, this is a benefit that goes directly to your spouse or to your children. You know, it, it's, there's no taxes coming out of it. They can use it to stay in the house. You know, if you're the one bringing the money in, and that was really what became my bread and butter is dealing with these old people, talking them off a cliff because they want a $200,000 policy that they will never get. And never. I just, yeah. And I just became really good. Like that was my one, that's the reason I stayed in the industry at all was, was really figuring that out is I can get you a, a, a tiny bit of what you want and it will help. And some people would be like, get out of my house. You know, like I <laughs> yeah. want $200,000 or get out of my house. You know, but, um, it didn't, it didn't always go down like that. I, there was a lot of people, they were happy to get anything, you know, they were happy to happy to get 10,000 or 20,000 in coverage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you're working at this agency, you're, you're starting to kind of learn the trade, you know, you're, you're, you're getting better at it. You're making sales. You're kind of learning from the other agents in the office. What gets to the point and how long, how long Two question, part question, how long do you end up on this road until you kind of determine, Hey, I feel like I need to kind of make a change. And two, what, how long does it take to where you find feel like you're starting to hit your stride as an agent? I would say some, some really great questions there. Um, I'm going to answer the stride part first. I think the stride took me about nine months, if I'm being totally honest. And um, and this is part of what I hate about social media today 
is there's so many people who look at successful agents and they think they can just jump in and start doing what successful agents are doing. And it's just, that's not it at all. Like that's not how this industry works. Right. I would say by like six months, I was consistent, but at nine months, you have such a solid pipeline built. You know, I, I remember, you know, thinking like when I started to go underwritten, like I'm at the point where I'd come across certain policies or, you know, certain situations where I'm like, okay, we're going to have to take you underwritten. This could take eight weeks. You know, by the time, you know, we're doing a medical exam, then they're doing more underwriting. And so like, you know, at that point, when you have this huge hopper full, and then all of a sudden, when some of these huge cases start clearing underwriting, that's when you feel like you've got the wind at your back, you know? Yeah. Um, but what, so, you know, I was at this agency for, for almost three years. One thing I want to kind of mention too, since we're, we're going deep here, this agency, it was like the most turbulent agency situation that you could ever imagine. Um, management left to join a different agency. So like half of the management in this oh, whole gosh. company, there was like a coup. There was like a <laughs> coup. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding at all. There was a coup at this agency and you know, it's a national agency and a coup happens. Another agency recruits management. And so half the management leaves and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to leave because I'm brand new. It's, it's only been like a year at this point. I'm like, do I leave? Do I stay? I kind of started to leave. And then I'm like, wait a second. This new agency has no idea what they're doing. It's a total scam. <laughs> so then I pivot back and I stay. It was, it was, an, it was insane. It really was crazy. But um, so then I get more into final expense. And so now I'm really dealing with, I went from like partially dealing with seniors. Now I'm selling final expense full time because it's easier and it's more consistent. I'm doing mortgage protection a little bit, but I found that seniors were just kind of much easier for me to deal with. I can meet with them during the day. You know, I, I liked that I could do 10 appointments in a day. Mortgage protection, I'm doing like a couple appointments at night or on the weekend because that's people are working during the day. But then it's like two or three years um, and then kind of the next transition point for me was um, my manager at the time, different manager, because again, the manager that hired me, he's at the he's new gone. agency, he's right? Gone. Yeah. He got promised the stars and the moon. <laughs> and then my new manager um, was a total shyster and he gave me, I'm buying leads at this point. I'm paying money for leads. You know, I'm making money. I understand the whole thing. I've got to buy leads to get new leads, to sell policies. He took leads that he had already worked that he then sold to me and he told me they were new leads. Oh God, no. And I knew for a fact he was lying. I went to, I went to like the top of the company, not the owner, but like directly under the owner of this national agency. And I said, Hey, I'm like, my manager's lying. He sold me these leads that he already worked. I was like, this is total bullshit. Um, I, I need, you know, I need new leads. I need consistently new leads and they can't be worked. Like I can't have leads that someone else works. Like it, it, it's not, it's not going to work like that. And they totally blew it off. They were like, they were like, no, like it was just maybe a bad batch of leads here. Here's some new leads, but they really didn't believe me at all. They didn't. And, and that was like the, the reason for everything. Like if we, if we go back it's like, well, what happened? Why did you start lead heroes? 
you know, what, what happened? That was the breaking point. That was it. Like, that was when I was like, screw all of you. I was like, I am done. And I literally just walked and I argued with them for a long time. And then I just walked and I said, I'm done. I am doing this on my own. I don't need you. I don't need your contracts. I don't need your leads. I am done, done, done. And just waltzed out of that office with all my stuff and never looked back, dude. Wow. Wow. So, and, and it's, it's, it's so crazy when you look back at events that at the moment when it happens, you know, you probably feel like it's, it's a horrible situation. You know, you're probably like, okay, now what am I going to do? You're, you're unsure of the future, but you look back on it and it's like probably one of the most impactful, blessed moments of your life. If I had to guess, would you, would you say that's accurate? A hundred percent. Like you couldn't have nailed it more. Like the, like I have all this confidence right now in, in telling the story, but the reality is it was more of a tailspin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, I sound strong leaving that office, but the reality is I, I leave that agency and it's just a tailspin because I'm trying to figure, I don't have, it, it was very much so like getting into the industry initially, you know, it was sink or yeah. swim. I did it again. You know, I did it again when I left this agency and I'm just like, here we go. I'm like, I have no idea exactly what's going to happen from here, but I'm, I'm done working with you guys. You're a bunch of freaking crooks. So did you go to another agency from then or did you, did, did, did you, did you transition right into lead heroes from there? Take me through the next step of that once you left the agency. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm weighing a bunch of options, right? I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out. So at this point, by the time I left, you know, I've been at this agency for almost three years. I'm probably 25 at this point. I just had my second kid. So, you know, we're talking about that stress from before, you know, more mouths to feed at home. Um, I've got even less money saved up really than before, because again, I'm, I'm, I totally, I didn't, the idea of selling a policy, all my contracts were through them, right? right? So this idea of selling a policy and monetizing anyone at that company, I'm like, I'm not doing it. I, I won't sell. And so I scramble to find some independent contracts. Contracting doesn't happen overnight. So I, you know, right. I find who I, I, I'm talking to a bunch of different people I find a company I like, I submit for some independent final expense contracts. That takes time. Um, during all of this, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where to work. I'm like, I'm trying to work from home. Um, and this is kind of a weird part in the story where there's this, there's, there's a captive mutual of Omaha office in Portland. Um, and it's more or less abandoned. This huge mutual of Omaha office almost nobody works in it because mutual of Omaha made the decision that they want to chase the broker side of the industry, right? Mutual of Omaha is making all of their money on the broker side, the captive agents, they're losing money. They're having to pay for rent. They're having to pay for leads and everything else. So, so basically instead of just firing their captive agents, mutual of Omaha kind of iced them out and just said, we're not going to help you guys or hire anymore. And so there was this giant mutual of Omaha office with like one agent in it. I oh happened, my gosh. To know, happened to know this one agent. And I said, Hey man, I'm kind of in between right now. I'm like, 
could I just like pop in here and just kind of work, make phone calls? And he's like, whatever. He's like, you know, there's literally no one here. and He, he doesn't care. And so I am, I am officing temporarily out of this mutual of Omaha office. That is a ghost town. There is nobody. Oh <laughs> and, dude, and I just, I would spend so much time walking around that office. I was looking at like the mutual of Omaha fact finder, like all yeah. of their policies and, uh, it was wild. Are there little are there little artifacts and everything and Oh yeah, you know they're uh, probably non-stop of it. Like unlimited. Yeah. Their clo- they had like a, a policy closet, you know, with all of their paperwork. I actually, you know, I think I still have it. I actually got a copy of the Mutual of Omaha uh, marketing plan. So when they brought in a new captive agent, they had like a, a marketing plan that they wanted. It was like, dude, it was like a book. And I read the whole thing. I thought it was great. Yeah. They, it was, they talked about diversification, um, doing some paid marketing, you know, you're, you know, attacking your warm network, making sure that, you know, people that you know around you, you're helping them. And, and, you know, they talked about turning on all these different faucets and, I thought it was awesome, but yeah, there's just gems like that in that. Like it was, it was cool. And again, mutual of Omaha, I was selling mutual of Omaha at that first agency I came in. And so I thought it was cool to kind of be in, in the office and see all this stuff firsthand. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. crazy. So, so how, how long do you, how long do you spend? So at this point you're, you're on your own, you're independent at this point. You know, I, you're kind of- I am. Yeah. Totally alone. I, I burned the bridges at this old agency because they, they screwed me over and I'm, yeah, I'm totally independent and I'm, I'm kind of ghost. I'm in this ghost office at mutual of Omaha for probably six months. And this is again, back to like kind of the tailspin, um, I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, am I going to sell Medicare only? Am I going to sell final expense only? Am I going to try to do both? Am I going to sell over the phone? Am I going to sell face to face? Because I was really, really good at setting appointments because that's what I I learned, but I I really wanted to sell over the phone. And so um, I started selling some Medicare over the phone, but I wasn't getting enough traction that I could live off of it. Yeah. Just because of the commissions. And then I was struggling to sell final expense over the phone. And so I was still selling final expense in the field. So I was, I was kind of doing like a little bit of everything. And that's when I, I, that's when I was like, I need leads. Why don't I hire someone to make phone calls for me? When they generate a lead, I can then either sell to this person over the phone, or I can go out and see them in person and I can just figure it out from there. So I was actually in this ghost mutual, <laughs> mutual <laughs> Omaha. I feel like, I feel like mutual of Omaha is going to reach out to, they're going to be like, uh, we're sending you a bill for, for, for all the rent that <laughs> this over the years. That is so crazy to me that they keep this office open with one agent in it. And it's just like this ghost town. And it's just like, you know, it's like, it's almost like, um, South Park put this episode out a couple like a year ago of like the malls and the malls are all abandoned yes. and all the people in them are like rat people. And then like someone comes in and they're like, who goes there? Cause Amazon <laughs> put them all out of business. Like that's what it is almost. That's what I picture when I'm picturing this mutual of Omaha office. Just, yeah. So like literally this mutual of Omaha office had a secretary that came in like once a week and she was like 
a floating secretary between like three different offices. And then there was like one full-time agent and then like maybe one part-time agent. So again, this office could probably have handled like 50 agents. Wow. And yeah, I, I, and it's in Portland and it's at a major office building. And I'm just like, dude, the rent, the overhead just for this office has to be insane. Dude. But yeah, so I'm, I'm selling some insurance. I'm figuring out marketing. I'm 100% independent. And I make this hire. And actually, the first person I hired was a Jamaican lady. Okay. And I'm in my head, I'm thinking, okay, Jamaica, it's closer to us on time zones. You know, they, they earn, you know, their, their living wage is less than us. So I can pay her less and she can generate leads for me. And she sounds awesome on the phone. Who doesn't like a Jamaican accent? Well, she had like eight kids. I kid you not. This lady I hired had <laughs> like eight children. Oh my and um, you could hear her kids in a lot of the, I'm listening to the phone calls. And I told her, I'm like, I'm like, your kids can't be on, in the phone. Like if, if your kids are on the phone, it's going to ruin this whole thing. Like I can't have you doing this. And so I fired her because she couldn't she couldn't have a quiet working space right and so then i'm like well let's try the philippines and so that's when i hired my first filipino and um she just crushed it she came out she generated like 80 leads in the first like week and a half two weeks and she sounded great and i still have her to this day the very first filipino i hired still works with me to this day wow yeah and that was kind Amazing. of that was the, the inception right there, you know, that, that exact moment. And I made my first leads, the first client that we took on at Lead Heroes, I was in that mutual of Omaha office making phone calls, <laughs> selling leads out of that office. And, oh my God. and the only reason I did it too, I think this is important to mention is I wanted to bring this girl on full time, but I, I couldn't handle the leads. And so her coming on full time was like two or three times the number of leads that I needed. And so my thought is I sell the extra leads. I cover my lead cost and now my marketing dollars are zero. Yeah. That, it wasn't, yeah. I did not get into this thinking I'm, I'm going to make a bunch of money selling leads. Like that was never my intention at all. That, that was literally my goal is, is zero out my marketing cost, bring this girl on full time and keep selling independently as I'm starting to figure out, you know, how to do that. So throughout this six months that you're at the Mutual of Omaha office, when does the switch come that you're like, you're like, I'm onto something here, you know, with, with, with this Filipino telemarketer that you've hired, you know, she's generating leads, she's killing it. You're probably killing it, making sales. You probably don't have, you probably don't have time to work all the leads she's generating because she's doing so good. It sounds like that was the case. Yeah. When, when does the switch happen when you're like, wow, this could be a business. It was, it was probably about 90 days from, from when I hired this Filipino till about 90 days later, um, the demand for people wanting a caller you know, again, I just reached out to some agents I knew. I made a couple posts at the time. Like I did very little. Um, 
But then I quickly had a lot of people reach out to me and say, hey, you know, so-and-so said that they had a caller that they worked with from you. They had success or, you know, hey, I saw that post you made a month ago. I am dying for a caller. Can I use your caller? And about 90 days after, all of a sudden the demand is at a point where like, I, I have enough income coming in that like, this is definitely its own business beyond what I could sell. And then I'd say about another few months after that, about five or six months from that first Filipino hire, now I'm at a point where I don't even have time to manage the callers because I have a group of callers now. I either have to full-time focus on callers and stop selling insurance or I have to really cap what's going on with these callers and still sell insurance on the side. And I was like, you know, I could always sell insurance. Insurance isn't going anywhere. I could jump back in and start selling at any point. I was like, let's just run with, I'm like, let's just see what happens. You know, I threw a website together. I filed for my corporation after, you know, kind of experimenting. And I was like, let's just see what, let's see where this goes, you know? So how old were you at this point when you first filed the, for, the, for the corporation? I was probably about 25, between 25 and 26. Okay, so 25, 26. So to walk me through how, how many in the first couple of years of kind of growing the company, because um, how, how, how did the growth go? Did you, did you guys experience any bumps kind of in the first couple of years? Like what, what, what were some learning curves that come to mind? Uh, what's, what's the mile? <laughs> I was going to say IUDs. IUDs are not, <laughs> what, what are the bombs like in the Middle East called? Uh, IEDs. It's IEDs. Yeah. 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 That's IEDs. yeah we, there were, there were a few of those for sure along the way. I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about just how much time has, has lapsed since that mutual of Omaha office. Um, the first, yeah, I mean, you know, I think the biggest thing, like if there was advice I could give anybody, and this isn't just to insurance or a call center business, but um, scaling a business in general is in theory so much easier than it actually is. And I, I can't stress that enough. Yeah. You think you can just, if the demand's there, right? If, if oh, boom, everybody wants insurance leads. I'm just going to grow my company to, the, to match this giant demand, cash out, and, and I'm done. It is so much harder to build, to, to build that company, to, to scale it out. And, and I'm, I know I'm just preaching to the choir of anyone who's ever built a company in any space. It is so much harder than what it looks like from the outside. I can't stress that enough. Um, yeah. And, and the biggest problem that we had was finding quality callers and hiring people who were going to stick around and, you know, they were going to do the job well. Um, I'd say the first really big one that we hit, the really big bomb that we hit is um, I had kind of a revolt. And what happened is I was hiring just friends and family of the Filipinos all of a sudden half my company came from one person and that person is talking crap about me talking crap about the company talking crap about other people and i realized i'm like oh my gosh 
they are basically in control of half my company and I'm, I'm in the back seat. Yeah. And, and if I fire them, you know, I have half of my team is attached to this one cancerous person. And that, that was a night, that was a huge disaster right there. And I ended up just, I didn't want to deal with it anymore. So I just cleaned house. <sighs> fired half my team. It was about 20 people. I took 10 of them and just punted them at the time. Wow. So, so how did you avoid running into that issue going forward? Diversification of hiring. Um, We're at a point now where we basically we've got boots on the ground. So, you know, the structure would be similar to like here in the States, if you had like a physical location or you're advertising locally, like, Hey, come work for this local company. I essentially had to create a secondary business in the Philippines that is built around recruiting and hiring callers and kind of facilitating that relationship. And I've been over there multiple times, which made a huge difference too. It it builds a ton of trust being able to be over there and be with my team and, you know, really experience what it is over there. Like, like anyone can go hire a Filipino, but until you go over there and you're in the Philippines and you spend some time over there, it's just a, it's a whole different ball game. Once you kind of understand what's going on over in the Philippines and you can really relate to them and help them out and understand what they're going through. What, what are their struggles and empathize with these people, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think it's such a unique business model that you, that you've, that you, you've created, you know? And I, I mean, there's, there's, there's other companies that have tried to do what you do. I don't think there's any that come even close to kind of, you know, executing like you guys do and you do such a great job. And, you know, as, as, as an observer, as a customer, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I think, I think it's, I'm in awe sometimes of kind of everything that you guys are able to do. I appreciate that, man. I really do. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's other companies, you know, I don't think we're alone by any means, but sure. um, I think we've spent an incredible amount of time, energy, and money on our team, our internal process. I mean, we have layers of staff and management, like, uh, it's and it, like, I don't blame anyone when people tell me like, Hey, we tried to do this. We tried to hire Filipinos and it was a disaster. I'm like, I get it. I've made all those mistakes and then some, so yeah. trust me when I say like, there's like, there's no judging over here. If, if you tried to <laughs> try to do this and it didn't work, I, you know, I almost threw in the towel multiple times going down this road because it was so difficult to scale and to grow and to find trustworthy people to work for you. So yeah, it, it was crazy. So last question I have for you, cause we're getting close up to about an hour here and I want to be respectful of your time. Sure. Um, and this was awesome, by the way. I mean, yeah, I think this I appreciate gives, you asking. I mean, I, I, I think this kind of gives everybody kind of an in-depth look on kind of your background. And, you know, I think sometimes people kind of look at, 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 at Glenn as, you know, as, you know, the lead guy, you know, Glenn's the lead guy. Glenn doesn't know what it's like for, for agents and things like that. And I just always point, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever had a conversation about it, but I like would, would encourage anybody to just kind of go back and listen to this interview in this entirety, if you're just tuning in now, but, you know, Glenn has been where all of you have been. You know, he's been an agent. He knows what it's like to, 
have a family at home to provide for and you know you essentially eat what you kill you know um and i think it's just such a unique perspective because there's so many lead companies that have never sold a damn insurance policy before you know and i think it just comes from a very refreshing perspective from you that you know designs the company it's kind of you know your vision that you've grinded it out in good and bad situations and um my, my, my final question I had for you that I thought was really an interesting one. Where do you see lead heroes going in the next five to 10 years? What's your ultimate vision for it? Like, where do you see it? What do you see it becoming at the end of the day? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So, you know, we've made some, we've made, like I just mentioned before, we've made a lot of mistakes. I'll be the first one to admit it. Um, one of the bigger mistakes we made recently is we tried to take on direct mail. And we, we did a ton of it in a short amount of time. And um, I realized basically the moral of the story is I can't be everything to everyone, right? right? I would love to be like the central lead vendor for Facebook, for direct mail, for seminar. Like I would love to say, hey, come to Lead Heroes and we will handle all of your marketing needs. But the reality is, is we are extremely proficient at one thing. And that is anything call center related, appointment setting, live transfers, generating leads. Um, We do all of that extremely well, but we can't be everything to everyone. So I believe that the future of Lead Heroes and and really what I'm trying to build out, and you'll see a lot of this hopefully by the end of this month, because we're going to relaunch a completely revamped website. Um, You know, I, I want to help agents as much as possible. You know, if you don't know you know, how to sell. I want to have material that helps you, helps teach you how to sell. If you're not sure who you should, you know, contract with for your upline, I want to have a bunch of different people in the industry that I would point to and say, Hey, you could contract with them, them, or them. You really can't go wrong. Um, And then, you know, maybe some bad ones, Hey, avoid these people. Um, And so, you know, I, instead of being that, that person for everybody, I see it more as like a connecting piece. Like I want to be able to connect people to, to their, their destination of where they want to go. Um, and, and I think I can do that in, in an A to Z format. I think we can do that on the lead side without being the lead vendor. You know, if you want a really high quality direct mail lead, hey, you know, go check out Lead Concepts, right? Christopher mm-hmm. Weir, um, you know, and and essentially, you know, focusing on what we're good at and then referring to other people in the industry who have done the same thing I've done in in their verticals, you know, who have built incredible companies um, and and working with them. um, Because just like I've told you before, Christian, is I think there's an argument to be made that lead heroes should be in your marketing portfolio. But by no means am I saying like, hey, we are the only company that should be doing marketing for you. Um, I don't believe that at all. I think I think it takes several different companies and, and I think you should be diversified. And, you know, I, I want to be able to kind of facilitate that growth for everybody. Well, I, I think that's very true. And I, you know, I know we've had a lot of conversations about this, you know, over the course of this year. And I, th- and I think that's spot on. You know, I think you know, people ask me, you know, what we, what, what do we do that helps us be so successful or me personally? And it's that I don't ever rely on one source of leads. You know, I, I mean, if something is flopping, it's okay. I got six, seven, eight, nine other, you know, avenues of getting business. And, 
um, I think that's a really smart approach, you know, and I, I love the, I love the aspect of, you know, being the best you guys can be at what you guys are good at and not trying to, you know, be everything to everybody. And, um, I think that's smart. I think that's the way to go about it. And, um, you know, we've, we've obviously loved working with you guys. Um, you know, I mean, if you guys have watched this and you've enjoyed it, I mean, give lead heroes a shot. If you've never worked their leads, I mean, they got some really, really great leads. I think they got something for everybody in the Medicare space. If you're doing final expense, life insurance, and, and, um, shameless plug, we have a, a, a exclusive group discount coupon of, um, SFMA standing for six figure Medicare agent, 10% off all orders on the website. So, um, yeah, guys, I'll drop a link to that in the, in the description, um, of this, you know, video, cause this will end up on YouTube and then I'll drop a link to it on, on the chat for this, um, live stream as well. But, um, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah. Um, I really, I, I really appreciate it. it. And, um, I thought it was just a really, really great in-depth conversation. And, um, I think a lot of people get a lot out of this kind of seeing where you started, what you went through and where you are now. Yeah. I appreciate you giving me a chance to kind of explain myself because I think that's probably what the hardest, one of one of the hardest parts about this journey is I didn't realize getting into the lead vendor business or the lead space. I didn't realize how negative of a viewpoint people had for lead vendors. And so that's something like I've been trying to overcome from day one. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate you allowing me to kind of tell my story and yeah, hopefully, you know, it gives people a little better understanding of, of what we do and why we do it. And um, yeah, give it a shot. You guys, you know, if you are looking for leads in the Medicare final expense space or you're, or you're needing phone work done um, I definitely think that, uh, you know, give us, give us a shot. See, see if it's a good fit for you. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for taking the time to tune in. Um, I think we'll be back next week, right, for a Taco Tuesday, now that AEP is over. Um, if, yeah, and I'm, Coming I'm back gonna, in a big way. I'm going to overnight a Taco Tuesday shirt to me. So that way I have it by the time I'm back in town next week. But, uh, <laughs> Do it. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for watching this. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.